say when it comes to God he said there is no maximum when it comes to God there is no maximum there is no upper limit there is no ceiling there is no maximum if you want a title for today that's a title there is no maximum there is no measure you can't look at the gospels or the book of acts and say that's all there is no maximum infinite unlimited and in a sense god's limitlessness underlies all his character attributes god's limitlessness underlies all his character attributes you take his power you take his knowledge you take his love you take his mercy there's no measuring any aspect of god problem is we measure everything eh we measure everything and yet i love this quote by reinhard bonke there is no maximum if you can somehow embrace it that regardless of how old you are or how young you are when it comes to god there is no maximum not just in his works but what he can do with you for you in you through you there is no maximum they have a term in um, that fighter pilots use it's called kabu it means ceiling and visibility unlimited that's when you have clear skies there is no maximum there is no maximum but are you able to embrace it and if you're not able to embrace it if it doesn't ring true we must ask the question why doesn't it ring true does dilna want to live an unprecedented life does he want to live a life no human being has ever lived you must ask yourself that question do you want to live a life no other human being has yet lived not for your own sake but for the sake of king and kingdom everything in god is an extreme there is no balance christian seek balance god doesn't everything is an extreme there is no maximum these mics are off the bible says the bible says the gospel is the power of the gospel is the power of god unto salvation but in first thessalonians we find out that that power is the holy spirit because it says when we came and preached the word to you let me read from first thessalonians first thessalonians 1:5 
First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.5. 1 Thessalonians 1.5. It says here, um, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. So the gospel may be the power of God, but the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all human beings. But we must realize that every time someone turns to God, every time you speak about God to somebody, it is the sheer power of the Holy Spirit that begins to affect them. It's, it's the words, and the, the words are just absolutely useless without the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And we possess it in, our, in His fullness. We possess it. If you go to John chapter 3, verse 34, it says, Whenever I send anyone to represent and speak my words, I also provide them with the Spirit unlimited. It's talking about Jesus. But after Jesus left, he gave us the Holy Spirit to the same measure that he has. There is no junior Holy Spirit. There is no smaller measure of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. And in John 3.34 it says, Jacob, when I send you out to represent me and speak my words, you have the Spirit in unlimited measure just as Jesus did. Unlimited measure. That is how the supernatural gospel then becomes supernatural in its works. But that's, this is tough, you know, I just want to deal with one thing and we can go home. And that is, yeah, really, I can, I can, I can literally take the first half of this notes and tear it, because I think everything else we know. We don't need more teaching, right? People were saying that again and again in prayer. Didn't particularly make me happy, but I can live with that. So, why is, why is, why are works being held back? Why are works being held back? Why is it that we are not stepping into this thing that we were crying out for? Is he holding it back? Can't be. So why is it being held back? Let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. Acts 4, 29 and 30. I'll regret having toned that up. Huh? Suddenly I'll want to put it back together. Once I did this long ago and Diana had to go and put it together and I toned it into many small pieces. And she's always good at games and puzzles. For one, it was, once it was useful. Um, so um, go to Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. Acts chapter 4, 29 and 30. It says there, Now, Lord, consider their threats. So let's make it consider our circumstances or consider my uh, circumstances. Then it goes on to say, Enable. But before it says enable, it calls us a certain name. It says enable your servants. So it talks about servants. The actual word used there is doulos, which actually means slaves. Consider my circumstances. And we as your servants, could you please enable or empower us? Could you please enable or empower us? 
to speak your words. with great boldness. That's a prayer, eh? That's verse 29. 4.29, Acts 4.29. Consider my circumstances. And whatever your circumstances may be, sometimes you're afraid at work. Sometimes you and I are too uh, concerned with our reputation. Sometimes we lack the courage. Sometimes we are just cowards. Sometimes we don't have the words to say. Sometimes speaking up might cause us to lose um, dignity or lose our jobs, lose money. Sometimes it's just plain inconvenience. Sometimes it's laziness. Sometimes it's beating around the bush. There's a market trend right now. And the market trend is very simple. Man is at the center. What can your God do to help? J.I. Packer put it that way. Packer said that it is no longer God at the center and God's ways towards man. It is man at the center and what can your God offer to help man's problems? That's how it works. And you and I are under that pressure, eh? Never able to say things straight out like God wants it said. Always kowtowing, always going around. So whatever my circumstance may be, I was thinking of the three things that God put his finger on in my life, and it was convenience, uh, and inconvenience, um, so one was convenience, the other one was a reticence or a hesitation to lose all dignity for the sake of Christ, as in lose reputation, lose sophistication, lose dignity, be probably laughed at. Um, be mocked, to lose my dignity or my reputation completely and convenience are the two things that God put his finger on. What was it for you? Don't say it, I'm just telling you. And so whatever your circumstances be, consider your circumstances. Second, know that you're a servant. Um, second, uh, first, uh, second Thessalonians, first Thessalonians 2 verse 4 talks about how everybody in this room, if you're a believer, you've been appointed as a servant and entrusted with the gospel. You have been appointed as a servant and entrusted with the gospel by whom? By God. Now think of this. He actually appoints you and entrusts you because he thinks you're able. He's not saying one day when you qualify. He's saying, I appoint you, Aaron, and I entrust you with the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. And the word used there is actually doulos, which is slave, not even servants. For Jesus, the holy servant, it's a different word. For us, it's doulos, which is basically slave, which is a little lower than servants. Not a term we like using right now. So consider your circumstances. Understand your servants. And once you understand your servants, you're crying out to God saying, can you enable me or empower me? Can you enable me or empower me to do what? To speak your words. To do what? To speak your words. How? With great boldness. That's their prayer. Speak your words. 
It is not possible to speak his words in a crisis. Speak his words, speak your words, speak words to someone sitting by the side of the road. Speak words to someone you bump into and you begin to feel the sense that you have to do something. It's not possible to do that till we practice because boldness has to be practiced. Someone asked me what's the difference between boldness and courage. Courage is the ability to... Uh, the way I explained it to him is um, boldness is the expression of what courage decides to do. Boldness is the expression of what courage decides to do. So if you want a definition for boldness, here it is. Boldness is not a personality trait. So please don't think that because you're introverted, because you're shy, because you uh, uh, grow up in a culture where um, it's better to stay quiet or because you think a woman should have a certain place or a man should have a certain place, boldness is not a personality trait. So there's nobody here who can claim that as your Fifth Amendment. Boldness is not a personality trait. So let me define boldness according to God. Boldness is acting with courage, acting with courage by the power of the Spirit on an urgent conviction in the face of resistance or opposition. That's what boldness is. Boldness is acting with courage by the power of the Spirit with, urgent, with an urgency of conviction or on an urgent conviction in the face of resistance and opposition. That's what boldness is. And they are calling out saying, Oh God, could you please see us as your servant approved by you and trusted with the gospel? Can you please help us to now, despite our circumstances, speak your words with great boldness? And this is what boldness looks like. Boldness is not a personality trait. It's acting with courage by the power of the Spirit on an urgent conviction in the face of resistance and opposition. So there are three words here that you need to look, up, look at. One is conviction. The other one is courage. The other one is urgency. All three are by the power of the Spirit. And here's a clincher. All three is opposed, will be opposed by the flesh. Not by the devil. Not by people, but by the flesh. We'll talk about that. Boldness is acting with courage by the power of the Spirit on an urgent conviction in the face of resistance or opposition. Conviction is something that I, you begin to feel deeply. Many of us may not feel things deeply. Many of us may not uh, feel an urge to go and speak to people. Many of us would rather sit quietly, and that's fine. That's where you start. You start from a place of coldness. In anything with God, you always start from a place of coldness or non-feelingness or non-interest. You start from there. You go to him and say, I'm really not interested. I would rather sit here alone with my AirPods on, listen to some amazing teaching by this famous guy called Jacob, and just enjoy these moments with God. And so, so that's where you start. 
You start with that baseline. And from there, the spirit goes, goes to work, saying, okay, now let me bring in conviction. That's where it begins. Conviction then leads to courage. I've got to do something because this is so strong a feeling now that courage will begin to rise. Courage doesn't rise if there is no conviction. That's why people stand up, man, and say stuff because they are so convicted by it that, and for, the, for so many different reasons, people stand up and speak. I'm not talking about believers. I'm talking about any human being on earth. When they're deeply convicted, they stand up and speak. Courage comes. Urgency, urgency makes your feet do something about it. Because nowadays, you can have conviction, you can have courage, but you don't have to do anything. You just have to um, tweet on X. That's it. But urgency puts feet to it, which goes back to what Derek was saying. There's no point asking if there is no intent of going. There is no point asking if there is no intent of going. And going does not mean Wally. And it's all brought about by the power of the Spirit. That the Spirit of God alone can do this. Any questions before we go on? We'll deal with the last bit. Any questions before we go on? What does it mean? Sorry, I didn't ask again. It means um, your own Wally in Richmond or your own neighbor in um, White Rock. It, it doesn't mean Wally. Meaning, this is not an attempt to get us all to go to Wally. Yeah. But there is a going required. Wally provides an opportunity, an intentional, deliberate opportunity to do something that most of us find highly inconvenient and would rather not be part of every week. That's, that's the great thing about Wally. It provides you an avenue. It's like, what do you do when there's a gym under your building? You can still not go. I know there's a gym under my building. The, the, the next thing is the part that really you need to figure out um, and we need to somehow combat. The flesh will oppose conviction, courage and urgency by the power of the Spirit. Your flesh. Your flesh will oppose it. Galatians 5.17 The desires of the Spirit will always be contrary to the desires of the flesh. The desires of the Spirit will conflict with the desires of the flesh. It's, it happens to us every day. Even today it happened. There were many of you, or, or there were some of you, that wanted to break out of the shell that you have so carefully constructed. And everything inside of you is saying, break out of it, break off it. But there is the flesh which says, don't. What are we talking about when we talk about the flesh? A way of thinking. And just the the, the, the pleasure of sitting in my old nature that doesn't want to pay a cost, doesn't want to take a risk. Let me read from Galatians 5.17. Galatians 
The flesh opposes the desires of the spirit, so I don't do what I want to. The flesh opposes the desires of the spirit, so I don't do what I want to. Galatians chapter uh, 5 verse 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Let's just look at it for a second. Everybody here wants God to break out into signs and wonders and works. Nobody here does not want that. You desire that with all your heart. And then the flesh kicks up. Why? Because to do that, I must go. The Spirit really wants to. I mean, not even talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about your spirit. You desire to. But to go, do you know how much, how much you'll have to change to do that? Everything in you will begin to oppose it. What is the way around it? We'll talk about that and then end. God is willing to give me boldness. But what will I do with that boldness if I cannot overcome the flesh? Guys, this is not some particular problem that is yours. It is a problem with Christianity in general. Which is why you have to have professional missionaries, professional uh, evangelists, professional people. They are paid to do this. They do it out of love, but they also get paid for it. So our enemy is not really the devil. He comes later. Our enemy is not the devil. He comes later. He meets us only after we go. He doesn't touch you till you go. He, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing where let barking dogs lie. Like let them learn as much as they want. Let them be taught as much as they want. Don't touch them. Don't stir them up. They'll just lie there by the fire like a lazy dog. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is super weak. Don't even provoke them. It is after you go that you actually meet the enemy's opposition. And the enemy's opposition will come in different forms. It may come in people rejecting you, in people scoffing you, in people mocking you, in people being violent with you. Like remember the guy that went up to Pavan and Derek and said, I, can, I have two choices right now. I can either be violent or I can ask you for help. The flesh is the first thing that needs to be overcome. Not even subdued, overcome. And the flesh is a whole, whole, whole slew of things. Eh? It is, it, it is um, my schedule, the things I have to do, my responsibilities, valid, legitimate things. Eh? My laziness, my convenience, my hesitation, my reticence, my inability, my inadequacy, my lack of time. Other distractions, sin, pleasures, the need for money, this fear of losing my reputation, my dignity, by going out there on the street and talking and suddenly you find someone sophisticated who comes by who knows you and then Jesus becomes friend and knows not savior anymore. And it's not even winter yet, it gets worse in winter. And even that's not the devil. 
Any questions? The devil doesn't touch you till you go out. Pardon? Yeah, we would like to think that it is the devil that's preventing us. It's not. It's just sheer flesh. Go, and then you'll meet the devil. So how do we beat it? Galatians 5.17 is the flesh opposes the desires of the spirit. Guys, it's so evident that the desire of the spirits in each of our hearts is to go. It is so evident. I saw you while we were praying. It is so evident that you want it. You want it not for your sake, but for his. You want to see. You want to show. You want to see and you want to show them that this is true. You should read that scripture, um, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak from the message. It's quite funny. Can you tell me where it is? Matthew? Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That is so uncalled for. This is why people don't call out stuff in church. Because when they call out something, they're made fun of. Matthew 26, what? Now that you've shown us the chapter. Now it better be Matthew 26, huh? Oh yeah, Matthew 26, 41. Stay alert, be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. And here's the thing that I like. There is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part of you that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. There is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. Matthew 26, 41, message. Maybe we should have titled this Lazy Old Dogs. If you notice, the animal used here is? Not a cat, yeah. So what shall we do about this? How do we overcome this? Um, you've got to recognize what the problem is, guys, that it is your flesh. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the easiest ways to overcome it is to go with someone else who's done this before and learn on the job. So like we do shadowing in, at work. Someone shadows you, they learn. And so to overcome my inadequacy, my not sure of what to say, what to do. I mean, the Jehovah's Witnesses do it. They always take a junior guy with an older guy. They never let the junior guy out of their sight because he can get converted to Christianity. 
So, so they always go like that. So one of the things we do is shadow. That's one easy way to learn. That aside, um, most of us in this room, I think, have enough to lead anyone to Christ. And so what do you mean by, I think you have enough to lead anyone to Christ? You have him. Who? The Holy Spirit. You can have the finest spiel to get someone saved. And it might work. And then you can have zilch. And it works wonders. Because of the Spirit of God. So face up to the fact that most of us sitting in this room, our biggest problem is not the devil. It is the laziness of an old dog that does not allow the desires of the flesh to be overcome by the desire of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God wants this almost daily. He doesn't want you to go out and speak to someone daily, but He wants you to train yourself this way so that when He calls, it's an easy go. So you know what to repent of. Forget repenting. You know what to discipline yourself in. You know what to discipline yourself in. Two quick ways to get everybody to um, um, start going out and uh, preaching and um, doing the works of God. Either offer them a million dollars or tell them they're going to die in a week. And if they go, that dying will be cancelled. Like in the movie Shole, suicide cancelled. Forget it. Forget that reference. Sorry. Um, um, it is this idea of either people learn when there's enough threat of fear or people learn when there's enough reward. It's always like that. People either learn because of great reward or people learn because of great fear or pain. God is trying to say, can I not use any of those worldly ways of doing things? Can I just help you do it because you love me? Otherwise, people only learn through pain, fear, or through reward. People will change when there's enough reward or when there's enough pain and fear. Amma, you're interrupting me. Yes. (laughs) So here are some methods to overcome it. Ephesians 6.19. Ephesians 6.19. Ephesians 6.19 try and, try and beat this with scripture and what scripture say Ephesians 6.19 Here's what it says Pray also for me that when, whenever I open my mouth words may be given me so that I will fearlessly in some versions boldly I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So one is to pray for someone's boldness. Look around this room. Try to see if you can pray for someone's boldness this week. And and let it not be me. I'll ask someone to pray for me. Think of someone else. Someone that you will pray that they have boldness. Ephesians 6.19 talks about it. I'll pray for you that you have boldness. 
Someone in this room, pray for this week, eh? Maybe you won't get to pray for them every day, but what if you got two days right? Second one. Romans 8.13. Romans 8.13. Romans 8.13. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live because those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Romans 8.13. Guys, if we are able by the power of the Spirit who is sufficient to overcome the desire of my flesh to continue being as I am, then I promise you that you will be led by the Spirit of God into the same kind of adventures that we read about will begin to happen in your life. We'll meet the devil on the road and beat him because it is only when you meet the devil that you find out how big your God is. You only find out how big your God is when you meet the devil. You do not know the size of your God till you meet Goliath. How do you learn to war? You learn to war by going to fight. How do you know how strong your enemy is? By fighting the enemy. No amount of studying will help. Put to death. Put to death the the, the, the laziness of my body, of my schedule, of my way of thinking, of my convenience, of my reticence, of my inadequacy, of my unwillingness to change. Begin with smaller things. Does it say in the scriptures, lift up your holy hands and praise the Lord? Well, don't do it because you're feeling like it. Do it because the Bible tells you. These are small things. Does it say, open your mouth and speak? Do it. These are simple, obedient things. We don't need to start with big things. It's always the small things that eventually lead to greater things. You don't need to do it throughout. You don't need to do it for a fast song or a slow song. Try different forms of obedience throughout the week. Quietly. Does the Bible say, be joyful? Try being joyful. And the, try it, especially on a day when there's n real sadness in your life. I think she was talking about it. At work, oh God, when we meet circumstances, help us to, help us to know how to deal with those circumstances. That joy is already given. Help us to express the joy. These are realities that I must not allow my flesh to subdue and lock in. And then a strange thing will happen. It says in Romans 8.13, put to death the misdeeds of the body. 
Because those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You will find yourself being told. All of us here. It is not even about hearing God. It is just God saying, my God, this is perfect for me. This person is so willing to subdue the flesh now and let me, let, let, the, let, let the Spirit of God take over that. I'm going to send them. And so, Diana, go stand by the road there and there'll be an Ethiopian driving down in a Mercedes. And when he does, go and speak to him. And he happens to be the finance minister of Ethiopia. These stories will become the stories of Acts 29. And they are not happening. They are few and far between. Like Joan was praying, sick of it being an occasional here and an occasional there. That is not the God that I know from the Bible. That is not the God I wanted. Not that our individual lives don't have testimonies, eh? But I'm talking about us as a collective. I can stand here and share testimonies. This happened, that happened. You can do that too. But that's our individual lives. What about us as a collective people? Last scripture. Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16 So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So the first one said, pray for, my, pray for me that I might be bold. The second one said, put to death the misdeeds or the desires of the flesh so that you can walk directed by the Spirit and walk like actual sons of God, which you already are. And then the third one says, hey, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. One of the simplest ways of translating walk in the Spirit is walk in the awareness of His presence. Practice the awareness of His presence. Remember the statement we always make, it was never God's design for man to have periodic awareness of his presence. The periodic awareness of God's presence, the periodic awareness of God's presence was never God's design for man. The periodic awareness of God's presence was never God's design for man. Any person whose greatest treasure is the presence of God will find himself beginning to live the kind of life that Adam lived in Eden. Selah. Anyone whose greatest treasure is the presence of God. As in, you're locked onto this treasure. There is nothing that distracts you from it. Nothing that distracts you from it. Locked onto it. Once that happens, you will find yourself returning to how life used to be in Eden. Why? Because you will... You, you will begin to get all the essentials of life from him. And it has never been revoked. Security, companionship, intimacy, provision, freedom, blessing. 
Seven or eight different things that were given to me. Dignity, worth. And then others begin to participate in the life that is yours. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in continuous awareness of presence. It cannot be cultivated in a day. But today's Rosh Hashanah. Start today, man. I'm not into Jewish holidays and stuff like that. I'm just using it to our advantage. That it is the new year. It is the Jewish new year. Use it to your advantage. Because presence will give you boldness. Eh? If you knew, when you meet a man sitting by a store asking for um, arms, like happened in Acts chapter 3, if you knew that God was standing at your right hand with infinite power and with his right hand on your shoulder, he's egging you on, you would be bold as a lion. If you knew that God was standing at your right hand and has his right hand on your shoulder saying, hey, go ahead. And that is what Acts chapter 4 verse 30 is saying. Oh God, this is what we want. Now stretch out your hand or stretch out the hand of your holy servant Jesus in signs and wonders. Stretch out your hand. At the end of the day, after having done all this, we come back to the one simple thing. We got nothing but the Spirit. And when we have the Spirit, there is no maximum. At the end of the day, after everything we've learned, after all the praying is done, you still got nothing. And you go back to Jesus in John chapter 14 and 15 and go back to that simple verse, apart from you, I can do nothing. But with you, O Spirit of God, there is no maximum. The book of Acts, hey, remember always, the further you go from the throne, the greater the level of water keeps rising. If Acts was ankle deep, you're supposed to swim deeper. This is what, yeah, let's just stop there. And the place shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Here's the thing, guys. Can I ask people here, can I pick people here to pray that we subdue our flesh? Not subdue, we put to death the deeds of our flesh. Turn it on. Not yet. I'll start. I think you can hear me. I tried not to share the story. I thought I'll share it later. Should I give him this or take this? All good? Good now? Go ahead, go ahead. It's working. 
Hello. Yeah. Yes. I really felt like I should come up and share the story. Uh, Mark, Pawan, and I were walking a couple of weeks ago, and we felt like we should go to this park. We went there. There's a man uh, who is from Fiji. We begin to talk with him. As we talk with him, we find out about his life, his story. We, we have, you know, Emily had good Bibles with us, so we told him, hey, why don't you read this when you go back? He said, you know what, my house, I have too many things in my house. I don't want to read it. Um, this is just another book. I don't want it. So while we're talking, there's a guy in the backdrop uh, on the ground. He's sleeping. He's tired. And there is another guy who comes and puts a jacket over him. Uh, I can see some movements at the back while this conversation is happening. And we talk, finished talking with this Fijian person. And just about when we were about to leave, the guy in the background, he comes up and he immediately gets angry. He's almost like, who are you? He heard what we were talking. We were talking about Jesus with the other guy. And he said, your God, he, he, he does not care about people. Your God, he is not real. Your God, he's not, he, doesn't, he causes bad things to happen. Uh, don't, don't think that you're a goody-goody guy and goody-goody people coming and sharing these things. When people like this, he points to the man on the ground, when people like that are on the ground, you didn't even put a jacket over him. You ignored him, didn't put a jacket over him, and you went and talked with this other guy. How dare you? So he went on like that for a couple minutes, and I did notice a knife in his uh, pocket, and I had to at one point go to Pawan and at one point go to Mark and say, just so that you guys know, I can see a knife. Don't go too, too close to him. Be aware. Uh, while this is happening, the guy started yelling, started saying things. And he said, you have no idea what I've done in my life. I'm from Guatemala. I used to belong to a gang. I'm a gangster. Stay away. You have no idea who I am. Started going on like this. At one point, we said, please know this. We would like to help if we can. We said, we'd like to help, you know, this, apparently the man on the ground, he's his friend, and they used to drink together, and he came to help out this friend. So we said, we, we want to do this, we want to help your friend. Eventually, we help him um, get a cab, go to the shelter. So we end up having, so Pawan left with the man. We, you know, Mark and I are left with this other guy, the guy who said he's from Guatemala, and that he's a gangster. We have about five, ten minutes there to talk with him. He's really aggressive. When Jacob wrote down their uh, opposition and people trying to oppose, he's, he really wants to do harm if he can. He's saying, stay away from me, because if you come close, you have no idea what I may do to you. There's a part of me, on one hand, I'm looking at him, and there's a part of me that can see what's exactly in front of me, which is a man who could do anything. And then there is another view that I have while I'm seeing this, which is from above, which is that, man, something is about to happen. There, there is, God is here. Speak. So he comes very close to Mark, looks Mark in the eye, and he says, you know Jesus? So Mark says, yes. He then pulls to my side and he said, you really know Jesus? I said, yes, I do. He said, how do you know him? How do you know Jesus? So I get about two, three minutes to quickly share my story. The thing is, whenever someone asks you who Jesus is, it's always good to share your story. I don't have a story like Powen. Man, you hear Powen's story or Jacob's story? It's something else. But my story is different. My story does not have the, the, the great wow moments like Jacob or Pavan has. But I have a story that's unique to me. That's my story in terms of where I come from, what God did in my life, and where God took me. And I begin to tell him who God is to me, who, how God brought me out of a land in India, how God brought me here. As I am saying, at one point he says, stop. When he says, stop, you stop. 
He said, stop. So I stopped and I said, what? He said, you know him. I said, what do you mean? You know him. I said, yes, I know him. It's evident that you know him. I said, absolutely. So I now I know get even more um, hope and, 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 the, and the power inside me is like, go for it. This is it. Go for it. So I begin to go for it and I tell him that God is a father, that God cares. All of these things, with the time I have, I go at it. And in a couple of minutes, he says, stop again. And then he says, I am a son of the war, the war that happened in Guatemala. My dad left me. I was born to a woman who raised me. I jumped trains to get to Canada because no one cares for me. I wanted, no wanted to knock on the door of my father who left my mother in Guatemala, came here. He had his own family. I said in my mind, he, he told us, I'll never let the man live that way, his father. So I knocked on his door, tried to do stuff. He kept on sharing a little few details about his life. And then he said, you have no idea what just happened. I said, what? He said, you're a preacher. I said, yes, I am a preacher. He said, the guys here, they are surrounding me. I said, yes, they are surrounding you. Then he said, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, my mom, who was a believer, the mom said at one point, hey, you can live this life of gangsterhood, whatever you want to live. But at one point, you will have a man come to you. And there will be three men surrounding you. And at that point, you'll know that God is calling you back. Wow. And as soon as he said it, now we are like, yeah, man, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> so we begin to talk to him more and more. At a point, guys, when Jacob wrote down, when you speak with conviction, the conviction of sin happens in man. When you speak with conviction that what you know is what you know is true, that this is who you are, it creates conviction of sin in people. Here's the thing that I really liked in the entire story. I tell him, can you pray? And he said, no, I won't pray. I said, why can't you pray? He said, I can't pray because as soon as you guys are done here, I'm going to take that bottle and I'm going to drink again. I thought to myself, amazing, honest man. If we can be this honest, the church will be so far greater than where the church is today. I said, that's okay. You feel like you're a sinner and that you can't do it? This is exactly where Jesus comes into play. Because in your sin, you can touch him. In your sin, he'll talk to you. In your sin, he'll deal with you. In about a couple minutes, we began to talk more to him about how to pray. He recognized that God is Father. He recognized that Jesus died for him. Wow. He recognized that in his sin, he can speak to God. At the end of the whole thing, he said, take... We said, we want to give you this Bible too because he doesn't want to exchange his number or anything because there's a whole lot happening in his life. It's very clear. We gave him the Bible and he said, can you write down your names and the date because I don't want to forget what happened right now. We wrote down our names, wrote down the, the, the date and we hugged away from there. The man who wanted to almost harm us, he said, hug, hug me. Hug me. I'd like that. His posture changed. His demeanor changed. Everything that Jacob said, guys, is so true. Because when we open our mouth with confidence, with boldness of who God is and who, what he has done for us, the thing is, the Spirit of God will always back you. There is a backing of the Spirit, which is so real. Because the Spirit of God, when you are trying to be foolish for him, he likes it. And he will back you up. Always, he will back you up. If you're willing to open your mouth, sound as 
foolish as you can be trust me there is a backing of the spirit there is absolutely a backing of the spirit because the spirit of god as jacob said is the power unto salvation i just felt like i should share that story prayer just lead us lead us in prayer come guys just desire this say eh? it's such a cool amazing story led by this is being led by the spirit this those that are led by the spirit are the sons of god pray that our flesh is subdued so that we can we can we can walk out like this say eh? and there's plenty of opportunity the world is our play field yeah come abba we come abba join him in praying and don't just listen to him yeah it's our hearts that are crying out abba we come abba we come as your sons and daughters rightful heirs abba rightful heirs there is no sin in us no shortcoming in us no um past of us that can stop us from pursuing our path in you so father first of all before we we even go further we say no to the voice of the voices of the enemy that tries to condemn that tries to say that you're not good enough that this is not for you that there are others who can do this look at your past how dare you can speak like this no father we say a big no to voices of condemnation we recognize that we are sons and daughters we are sons and daughters rightful heirs abba we thank you jesus that you now live inside of us that your spirit is not somewhere out there your spirit lives inside of us your spirit gives life your spirit gives boldness your spirit gives us strength to do the impossible so father we recognize as a people that we are those people who have no maximum we do not have a maximum the power has no maximum because the spirit of god is greater than any other spirit out there he is greater than the spirit of slavery he is greater than the spirit of poverty he is greater than the spirits of infirmities he is greater than every spirit out there father we recognize that your spirit lives inside of us we cry abba because your spirit lives inside of us we cry strength abba with strength we cry because we know we know we know we know that your spirit is inside of us i may be wrong abba but i maybe this year jacob said this is the year of the holy spirit this is the year of the holy spirit this is the year of the holy spirit so we recognize abba father we also come to you and we say you you've been asking us to lay things down here we are abba we really mean this we recognize that jesus if you really died for me if you really died for us then this is a cause for each of us you did not die for them and not me you did not die for the other and not me you died for me if you died for me then all of what you have is for me as well i will contend for it we will contend for it as a church father we will because this is our rightful position in you we are not trying to do something that's way out there and that's not for us this is the exact thing exact thing that he called us to this is the thing there is nothing beyond it to carry your name to wear your badge to go with your authority and to say scorpions and lions I'll trample over you to say to the sick I know someone who heals to say to the the, the ones who are in bondage I know someone who can set you free 
father we want to speak these words we have had times when we have we have fallen about when when it didn't happen when it didn't go the way we planned the way we purposed it but those times and those days will not stop us because the power that this power has no maximum there is no maximum so father as a body as a people we say and we decree and we decide in our hearts yeah. that because jesus you died for me yeah. i will live for you yes, because you died for me i will live for you there is a cause that is worthy for all these things that i carry on myself to be laid down at your feet and for me to say jesus i carry your presence inside me i carry your spirit inside me you make me able you make me your heir and therefore i can do this this is not something meant for a few select people this is not something meant for few ministers this is not something meant for evangelists this is meant for the body of jesus christ to take on and walk because this is your rightful inheritance if you believe this you can walk in it if you believe in this this is for yours to march in if you believe in this he will bring a bandhood of brothers and sisters around you and you will march out as an army because guys this is our rightful inheritance it doesn't matter what result you see it does not matter it matters that we obey it matters that we struggle in our faithlessness it matters that in that we say i doubt help my unbelief in that it matters that we say i need you jesus because i can't do it here yeah we're not trying for results yeah. we're trying to obey everything that he asked us to yeah. and we can guys because this is for all of us there is not one person sitting under this roof who is not qualified for this if you have his spirit inside you you have the full measure and maximum power and beyond available for you we thank you about because you are stirring us up in this path in this journey that you have for us and we are willing to go together in jesus name thank you bless you guys go well eh go well if you need